Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. We're from MakingMathMoments.com. And together with you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver problem-based math lessons that spark curiosity, fuel sense-making, and ignite your teacher moves. We are super excited to be hanging out with you again. It's another John and Kyle episode. Ooh, uh, we're going to be diving yeah. in to yeah. a little bit of what you envision in your own yeah. math class. Yeah. What do you envision for mathematics teaching and learning in your math class? While we want teachers and students to feel capable and confident each day in our mathematics classrooms, we have to take time to think and reflect on what specifically would contribute to helping us reach that goal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the reason we wanted to share this with you is because we've been working a lot lately with districts in our Make Math Moments district mentorship program. It's actually been, I would say, John, probably one of our most enjoyable projects mm -hmm. as of late because mm -hmm. we get to actually work with amazing math leaders. Like essentially, I would argue everyone listening to this podcast, whether you're in the classroom or out of the classroom doing some district role, the reality is, is that these are district leaders. You're sure a district are. leader because you are constantly pushing your practice further. You're probably mentoring others around you. And we're getting an awesome opportunity to work with folks who have a real, I guess, impact or influence on how math programming looks and sounds in their district. So something we've been doing with them is using our district planning workbook, which is something that we've been building for quite some time. It's actually continuing to grow, right, John? It seems like it's ballooning very quickly because what we do is as we work with every district, we sort of jot down some of the common challenges we're hearing across districts. So not only are we taking our own experience in our own district contexts, but mm -hmm, then also mm -hmm. going to these other districts and having these Zoom calls, these great conversations and hearing a lot of the same challenges. And we're building tools that help make it easier to overcome some of those challenges. And the part that we tend to start with is actually constructing a math vision. Right. And I mean, mm -hmm. ultimately, at the end of the day, it's like if you don't have a vision for what you want, then there's a lot of wasted time and effort. So that is sort of where we start with our districts. And then you and I were chatting the other day and we're like, wait a second, how many educators out there? And this is, I think, back to my experience in the math classroom for over a decade. I say it all the time that I was sort of just figuring things out as I went. And one of the challenges, or I guess one of the things that I think made it more challenging for me to get to the place I'm at today is that I didn't have a clear vision for what I wanted in my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. And for math leaders who are listening right now, you know who you are, directors, superintendents, administrators, math coordinators, having that wasted time, energy, and funding Jumping from new idea to new idea, and that can take a toll on the teachers who are hearing those messages, the teachers who are like, man, like last year we were focused on this, but now we're focused on this. Like what happened to last year's goal? Don't we have this mission statement that should span 
a so many year journey. And I think teachers who are saying those comments about like, well, what happened to last year's goal haven't heard or understood the vision. And that's mm-hmm. often the case probably because there isn't one vision communicated to teachers. So thinking back to one of the eight effective teaching practices, Kyle, is making learning goals to our students, communicating those learning goals and using them as like a target and guide. So students know where they are on the path teachers know where they are on the path. The same thing has to apply to district leaders and their teachers. So it's like my district has to have a vision so that my teachers know where we're going. And that has to be communicated back and forth. So the district might have a vision statement. Maybe, maybe not. Yep. Maybe they haven't communicated to the teacher so that they know they're on like year three of a five-year journey. Mm -hmm. Like a teacher, I think has to know that. So in this particular episode, we're going to think about the routines and what we use with our district mentorship program members and kind of go through some of those beginning moves to help you and your district, or maybe you and your classroom create a vision for yourself. So we're going to kind of go through what pieces we do, what we use with our district members to create a vision. So by the end of this episode, you're on your path to creating a vision for you and your district, or hey, if you're just a teacher and you're that teacher leader, maybe it's you and your department, or maybe it's just you and your classroom. I love it. I love it. And kind of starting there as well, let's assume that everyone listening is in a classroom for just a moment. Think of how influential you can be on what happens in your own classroom, right? That is, you have the most power and control to guide that vision. So you have to have a vision, right, for your own classroom. So I would say starting there is a great place to be. And then, of course, if you're all the way up to superintendent or director or some other stakeholder that has this decision-making influence on a larger scale, the task becomes more challenging to implement, but the vision isn't any harder, Mm. right? Really, Mm -hmm. in a perfect Mm -hmm. world, what would happen, John, if I'm the director of my district and you're a teacher in my district? What would be perfect in that perfect world scenario is that your vision for your math classroom aligns with my vision for all the classrooms in my district, right? Now, that is a perfect world scenario. The reality is, is that there are obviously going to be some differences. There's going to be philosophical differences. So we have to be thinking about what is important to me personally in my own class and then zooming out. How do I help others as my role or as my influence on more and more classrooms? So if I'm a department leader, right, I'm the chair of my department or department head, all of a sudden your influence is on maybe eight classrooms or 10 classrooms. If you're a principal, it might be on 25 classrooms. Who knows what your influence is, but we have to be clear on what that vision is. So today we're going to take a little bit of time to take you through a routine that we usually use with district leaders in our mentorship program. And we're going to offer it to you and we're going to have you sort of differentiate based on your own context, right? So wear the Mm -hmm. hat that you're currently wearing. And I would argue though, you want to start, if you haven't thought about it already, no matter what hat you're wearing, You want to start at your own classroom level. In order to get a good math vision, regardless of the Mm -hmm. influence you have, you have to be clear on what would you do if you were teaching those 20, 30, 35 students, and how would I then kind of build it to a vision that more classrooms or more stakeholders could jump on board or, I guess, build on, right, together. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the first piece that we ask our district leaders to think about to help them focus their vision, right? So remember, it's the process that we ask our district leaders to go through and we start very, very wide open. And really, this is what we titled the episode is we call this the magic wand wish list. So we want our district leaders and you as teachers also to think about what is your magic wand wish list for mathematics programming. So some of the prompts we give our leaders and our decision makers and our planners is if you walked into a classroom five years from now, could you describe what you're seeing in as much detail as possible? And this is describing what you want to see. And if you're a classroom teacher, do the same thing. If I want to create a vision for my classroom or my department, then in five years, what do I want that to look like? I think we have to think big picture. We got to think wish list items. If you're creating your five-year plan at home for your vacations, people write down, like, what are my big, bodacious goals that I want to get towards? Hey, it's brainstorming, so you can write down anything you want on this list. And so a good thing here it might be worth pausing the podcast is we have our planning document. We want to pass that on to you. We have a planning document we give to the districts and the leaders there to jot things down to keep like a workbook going. And so you can jump on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash wish list right now, or it will remind you at the end of the episode if you want to get it then. But that is the beginnings of the workbook that we work with, with districts. And there's spaces there for you to write down some of these wish list items and prompts along the way to help plan your vision. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash wish list to grab this printable that you can use. But really the first page here is thinking about this wish list. And actually a really great activity if you're at the district level or the administrator level is to give, say, that planning document to your teachers and ask them to come up with their wish list and what they think their classroom can look like in five years. And then you can do that together with them after. It's like, let me grab these now. Let me consolidate. What do we notice? What do we wonder about the different wish list items from this department or this classroom? What can we piece together to create our combined district planning vision or wish list items? So that's the beginning is let's create a magic wand wish list. If you could take a magic wand and wave it and all of a sudden point it, this is the classroom you're creating. We want to start here and then think about how we can create that from there. I think one of the key pieces too for us to be considering is as we make this list, whether you're thinking for your own classroom or whether you're thinking about, hey, I'm impacting or influencing a school or a whole district is this is super rough to start. So you want to make sure, sure. it's very, very clear that this is like a brainstorm list. There's no judgment here. What you're going to find is that sometimes things come out and it's very general. For example, if you're on YouTube right now, I'm sharing the screen. So you can see this workbook here. I'm using a digital version of it, whether you choose to write it on chicken scratch on it, however you choose. I would say keeping it, though, keep all the rough work and evolve it. And as we work with our districts, that's sort of the process through this entire workbook that we do. So we're starting with just this first part with you here today. And over time, we're coming back and refining things. We're trying to make things as clear and concise as possible, but not right out of the gate, right? So we mm -hmm. want the ideas to sort of emerge, just like we want ideas to emerge in a math classroom. We want these ideas to emerge here. And something we also ask people to maybe think about as they start this list is mm -hmm. whatever you indicate on this list, 
some of the items on your wish list might already be happening consistently in your classroom, or maybe they're not so consistent. So we have people indicate with an I or a C. We sometimes have had sometimes in the middle, right? But I find that people default there, right? Because they're like, Mm -hmm, well, sometimes mm -hmm. it does happen and sometimes it doesn't. So we tend to kind of use consistent and inconsistent because it just gives you a starting point to decide, like, do I need to focus more time on this one or do I need to focus more time on this one? So it might be rough. An example, John, that comes up a lot is more thinking, right? Right. Comes up. Yeah. Totally cool, right? Not super specific, But it's a start and we can work with that. So that's great. So we want this to start. And maybe in my class, I'm just going to take my classroom, my first 10 years of teaching, thinking, and I might even remove, if I say inconsistently or consistently, that might encourage me to remove the word more and just say thinking. Mm -hmm. That was inconsistent. Student thinking might be what I use instead. And I would put an I in brackets there. I like that, Kyle, by labeling the I or the C, but also thinking about the five years down the road. And this is kind of that growth thinking about five years. Yes, you're going to list all your wish list items here that you want to see in your classrooms, but you also want to be somewhat realistic with what consistent and inconsistent will look like then. So for example, you might list student thinking. And when we write consistently, should I see student thinking consistently five years from now? Mm. So you might want to also write future inconsistently saying, I want that. Whereas another example might be more mathematical models with legs or power tools. So I want to walk into a classroom and I want to see students utilizing the double number line, a bar model. I want to see the area model when we're looking at multiplication and algebra. I want to be able to see a ratio table being used in the appropriate way. We want to be able to do that in five years, but you might also go in five years, start to think about some of the aspects to get there, even though it's a grand wish list, you might go, you know what? That's going to take some education on the teacher's part. We got to dive into that. Those details don't matter right now. But in five years, I might see that somewhat inconsistently if I walked into a room, right? So it's like, Mm. I'm going to see some of it. I might not be seeing a lot of it now, but it might be somewhat inconsistent in five years. So I might put an eye for that as well, but we're working towards it. So you can also, or you should be labeling each of these as consistent or inconsistent for the future. Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here. And I've got just a quick message specifically for our district-level mathematics decision makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12? Setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. 
Got it. I like it. I like it. So really what I'm hearing from you, John, is there's a few different ways we can frame this depending on Mm -hmm. where your head is at. For example, for those watching on YouTube, I was kind of jotting some of what you said down. So going back to student thinking, for example, I could just list student thinking, mathematical models. I could put down examples. So for mathematical Mm -hmm. models, I put down double number line, the array, the area model, ratio tables. Maybe I might look at this and go, okay, I really want to focus like this year on uh, the array and the area model, or I can put something like most important to me right now. Right. So yeah, as okay. a school or as a department, I really want to focus in on that model and I want to leverage that because if I try to do all the mathematical models, first of all, I have to learn them. Right. And yeah, feel confident yeah. with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I have to figure out how do I help students understand it. So I have to understand the progression. So there's a lot of work for me to do as the educator. If I'm a district leader, I have to think about all the education that my educators need. So just because I want to see math models in my district, I have to also be thinking about our teachers positioned currently Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, order mm -hmm. to do that work. And the reality is I'm going to argue that many are not, the majority are not. Otherwise, they would be doing it, right? I've never seen a teacher who's like, yes, I know how to effectively use double number lines. I choose not to use them because I find that they're helpful for student learning and I don't want that in my classroom, right? Usually it's because I've never used a double number line myself in my own learning. I've never used it in my teaching and I'm not exactly sure when and where it should come out, right? So there's a lot of work to be done. So right now we're just getting this wish list down And later with our district friends, we get there in the workbook where we start to go, okay, well, if these are the things we want, here's how we go about it. Start thinking about what would it look like in your classroom? And I put in brackets five years from now, if there was more student thinking. So you don't have to have the answer right now, but this is a question for us to be thinking about. So if we're making this wish list, it's like, what would that be? So if I I often say, it's like, if someone says, I wish that I won the lottery, And if you are really interested in applying the same logic here is you go, okay, so why would you like to win the lottery? What would life look like for you if you won the lottery? Does it mean you just have a Lamborghini and that's all? Or is it that you don't have to work every day or work on your favorite project? You can become the artist you always, what would that look like for you? If this wish list item came true. So these are some of the things that we're sort of thinking in our heads. Some people might even put, John, there is, again, no judgment with any of this wish list items, because I'll be honest and say, if you talk to me in my first 10 years of teaching on my wish list was higher marks, right? Right, right. If there's higher marks, in my mind, the question I need to do for if I'm working with other educators is like, why, what does that do for your math program? Right. Right. How do we get there? What's going to help us get higher marks? So it's never saying like higher marks isn't a good wish list item because no, that's the end result of something happening. So we have to keep digging here and try to Mm -hmm. figure out what does that look like? So that stays on the list. And then we refine later as we go through the process. Yeah, I like that. I'm often reminded of this phrase, so what, right? So it's like, I want more student thinking or so that. It's like, I want more student thinking so that, and then complete that phrase. That can help you with why you're picking that goal. So it's like, I want higher marks or I want better grades or I want higher test scores so that 
this, this, and this can happen, or these other things happen to help you get there. So I like that you're kind of helping rephrase some of your magic wish list items, thinking about what really does that mean? Let's get to the heart of it, right? Why yeah. continue to ask why or continue to ask the so that I can do this and so that this can happen and so that my students are actually understanding so that my students can there have fluency when we're working with this. So sometimes the thinking backwards can help you get there as well. I love that. And you had mentioned this so that idea. So I've got that again in on the visual for our YouTube friends here. I also put underneath it's like as soon as you said so that it reminded me of an if then state. Right. right. So right, right, however right. you choose to do, it, it's up to you. Right. But the reality is, if I had higher marks, then blank could happen. So it's the same idea. It doesn't matter how you frame it. These are some of the things you're thinking about. And more specifically, obviously, for yourself, it's harder to ask yourself questions about your current thinking because you're the one who came up with it. But this is more specifically for someone who's coaching or who's leading a group of educators as well. Right. So when they say this, you're then sort of nudging them a little bit further with some of these prompts or some of these questions. Um, John, what do you anticipate? What might be Mm -hmm. another wish list item that may or may not pop into an educator's mind here? There's some other things that we should probably mention about your wish list items, too. And I think we should bring out the fact we have this fear of influence or this fear of control, right? So it's kind of like, I wish I had better attendance. Mm -hmm. I think that can go on there, but then you can think about, okay, well, how can I influence that? And Mm. then also think about like how you can't influence that. There are things that we have to say, okay, we can't influence that in these ways, but also I can influence that in this way. I can be welcoming to my students or we can talk about mindset when we think about mathematics. Those are things we can influence with our teachers and our students, but then there are elements that we can't. So keep that in mind when you're creating your wish list items, because you might say like, I want students to demonstrate thinking in multiple ways. I want to be able to see that in my classroom. So it's like, okay, well, how can I, I get there? Can I influence that or can I influence the teachers so they can influence that? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll get into how to do that later on in your planning. But thinking about influence can also help you craft some of these examples. I love it. I love it. So some thoughts. So two things I want to talk from two sides. So first of all, if you're a teacher thinking about your own classroom, jot down whatever comes to mind, right? So if Mm -hmm. attendance does Mm -hmm. come up, awesome. Jot it down. For both you, the educator who's jotting the list down, it's harder because you're kind of working on your own. You might want to partner up with someone to push each other's thinking a little bit, Mm -hmm. especially for those who are in a role where they're working with a group of educators. When these higher marks, attendance, behavior, maybe better behavior might be on my wish list item. For things like that, just remember that there's a reason those things are happening and we want to get to the nuts and bolts of the reason. So the question when you said attendance, right, better Mm -hmm, attendance, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not only is this a sphere of influence or concern thing, so which part can I influence, which part can't I? If I think about what I can influence, first of all, if I had better attendance, then what would that do, right? I think there's a lot of things we could do. My marks would be better, kids would do better, all of those things would happen. But in particular, the question we want to ask is, why is attendance weak or inconsistent, right? So with some of these, we want to be thinking about why are the marks poor, right? And the reason we want to ask these questions, and this is where a knowledgeable other will be really important for this conversation, is when I hear those things, what I realize is that 
it all comes back to effective teaching and learning practices in our classroom. And what we use with our district leads is we try to come back to NCTM's eight effective teaching practices. And we do all kinds of work with trying, what do we focus on? But if I have a effective mathematics program, a lot of these things at least decrease or they become less of a concern. So attendance will become less of a concern if I have a really well-structured and effective mathematics teaching program. It won't necessarily eliminate it, right? Because I mean, there are some Mm -hmm. scenarios where there's other things going on in life, but the reality is a lot of times these challenges that show up on our wish list item is because of a bigger challenge or a bigger mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. Is it because my math class is inaccessible to some students in my classroom, right? Okay, how am I going to make my math class more accessible, more equitable, more culturally responsive, right? These are all things that emerge through this discussion. And for us, starting with the wish list, It gives us speaking points and it gives you something to reflect on for your own classroom. If you get this wish list down, have a look, come back to it. Can you restate some of it? Can you dig deeper, right? Why are these things on your list? Is it really a different problem? Is this the result of a bigger challenge or am I missing something, right? And that might be where you can then reach out to other colleagues and connect with them to try to almost build a group wish list together. And again, bring in some knowledgeable others to help you refine it and develop a vision for what you want in your math class. So this mm-hmm. right here, John, is just the start of where we yep. go with our district plan. We also do, we're not going to spend too much time on it here today, but we'll at least give some friends some next steps on where we would go with a group mm-hmm. after this initial wish list is put together. And mind you, we're not saying we have, what, five things. Your yeah. list could be 40 things, right? We're not saying limit it to five. I would say jot down as many as you can. See if there are any that are similar. You might want to group them together. Maybe it's a bigger chunk. Can you name it something else? But then what are we going to do after that? So the next part, after you've done what Kyle says, we will come back and refine the wish list throughout, say, a coaching program or through our mentorship program. We do that often with our district members. But what would happen next and what you should think about next is basically we call it taking inventory. So you've made your grand list of your wish list of all the things you want to happen and you want to see happen in the next five years. So you've made almost like a five-year plan, but not really. You're just brainstormed ideas. Now what we want to do is as we continue to brainstorm, we want to envision what mathematics teaching looks like now and take some inventory of what's happening in our classroom. So we have to know this. So if I'm a teacher, I know what I see in my room every day. I have to just now think about what are the moves I make? If I'm a math coach, you've probably visited and been in classrooms of teachers. Now, if you're a district leader, you wanna make sure that you've got into some rooms or you've got some feedback to go, what is happening? in our rooms. And so when we brainstorm that, we want to be very specific of what teaching practices we are seeing consistently and inconsistently. So what we have is we have a sheet to brainstorm those ideas. So we also want to break them down into almost two categories. So the first thing we want to do is think of an asset-based approach. We want to think, what are we doing well Mm. right now? And what are we doing well consistently? And what are we doing well inconsistently? So if you're looking at us on YouTube, we're showing you what page two of our document looks like. 
And we've got this place for us to jot down like, hey, maybe we're looking at mathematical discourse. We're doing that well already. We've already had some in-service. We've already had that part of our goals in the past. And we've got most classrooms kind of building mathematical discourse in through math talks, number talks, warm-up prompts. They're using those pretty consistently when we walk into these different classrooms that we're thinking about. And we can see that students are turning and talking to each other and we can name that right on our document. Then what we can do is we can try to list all the things we're doing productively that are consistent and then going, hey, well, maybe are there anything that we're doing productively that we're not so inconsistent at with that we could improve upon? And, and that might help us with our magic wish list from before. So we're going to list anything that we're doing inconsistently. So Kyle's jotting some ideas down for an example up on YouTube and he's saying like, maybe I'm, I, we're not yet fully consistently working through a problem solving and productive struggle with our students. We're still doing a lot of I do, we do, you do models, and we're not, say, getting our students, you know, hands dirty with a productive struggle type lesson or a problem-based lesson yet. But we're seeing some of that, and those are productive practices. And then what we're going to want to do is once you've listed a bunch of those or as much as you can think of or reflect on, then you turn to the unproductive practices. So these are the things that you're like, I wish I could change or modify or switch into a, a productive practice. So you're looking at what are we consistently doing that are unproductive. Mm. So thinking about some of those and then thinking about what are we inconsistently doing that is unproductive. So Cal's writing, are we timing tests and yanking them away from kids before they're finished? Am I, am I seeing around the world? Yeah. Which if you were I, an avid didn't listener- didn't even plan that. I was writing it as you said it, John, around the world. What would I do instead of that, but to still try to get to the same result of what I'm trying to achieve through that, right? Yeah. So being specific here, it's just like this, you know, if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you know that this one around the world activity, so many teachers who we've talked to, district leaders, thought leaders, teachers in the classroom through our mentoring moments, when we asked them what their math moment was, so many have said this around the world has caused them so much anxiety and negative feelings towards mathematics. So we've always tried to change that. That's something that you might be still seeing, but just think about some of those unproductive practices that can be changed. You want to list these because what you're doing is you're taking inventory of where you are. It's so important to think about some of these practices so that you can start to move towards the next stage, which is thinking about some effective teaching practices and how we're comparing against those. Mm -hmm. I love it. And some people might be wondering, it's like consistently or inconsistently using unproductive practices. I would say don't stress over which column it goes in. If it's an unproductive practice, the important part is not really whether it's happening consistently or inconsistently. It's just giving you a spot to put some of these things that maybe you know you're doing, but it's like you're doing it for a purpose. So I put inconsistently, I'm giving test redos. And it's the only thing I know what to do when the whole class isn't doing well. So when the whole class doesn't do well, I give an opportunity for a test redo. So that would be an example of that. And I go, well, again, why am I doing that? Well, I want students to do better. Okay, is there a better way that we can do assessment and evaluation that gives students an opportunity to do better? Oh, maybe, and this is where maybe you might need that knowledgeable other to help you with that is, oh, maybe standards-based grading or using some of the tips from the assessment for growth course that we have in the Make Math Moments Academy. 
might be something to help you with that piece. So ultimately, as you're going through the productive practices being used in your classroom, again, over here, you're kind of looking at, hey, if it's consistently happening, awesome. Maybe it's not that we're going to ignore that column, but we're going to maybe look at the inconsistent column and go, how do I help to make that more consistent? So that mm-hmm, helps me mm-hmm. with my focus from my vision. My vision is going to be a big vision. I want a lot of things for my students. But right now, this is also helping me figure out what do I want to focus my attention on as I work towards a vision? So again, this is just the start of trying to figure out what is my math vision for my math class. We're basically looking at what do I want for my math classroom? If we kind of summarize today's episode, I want that magic wish list. If I could wave my magic wand, what would I see happening in my math class? If you're a district leader, you're thinking, if I could wave that magic wand, what would I see when I walk into any random classroom on a pretty regular basis, right? What would that list look like? Then we're taking inventory of what is already happening, what isn't happening, or what's happening consistently, what isn't happening so consistently. And then it's also highlighting, and the reason we bring up the unproductive practices, like what are the things that we could maybe wave a magic wand and we wouldn't see so much of anymore, right? Or maybe completely remove. That's a harder conversation, but we want to get all of this down to start generating ideas. And as you do this, as you brain dump all of these ideas down, things start to come together. So this is the very beginning of the process. We'll take a lot of refining as you go, but I think these episodes, as we're recording them, it's the beginning of a school year for many people in North America anyway, or those in the Northern Hemisphere. We want you thinking about your vision for your classroom or your school or your district. And we want to help you sort of inch towards it. And throughout this next year, we're going to spend more time on some episodes discussing some of this process so that all of us can be refining our math class goals and getting closer to that vision that we want to see five years from now in our math classrooms. And again, just a reminder, if you want a copy of the first few pages of the planning document we use with our districts, you can head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash wishlist. And then that will get you a copy of the three pages anyway, that kind of start this process of creating your magic wishlist and the inventory that you're seeing already. Next steps we have with our district members are to start comparing and reflecting on what we're seeing and then comparing those to the effective teaching practices and seeing where we stand on those. And then we basically start to craft and piece all of that together to craft a vision statement for your district. And we use that for, say, the three to five year journey that we're going to go on with districts to uh, craft their program. So, Kyle, let's take a moment again and just remind them about that document they can grab and fill out. It's at makemathmoments.com forward slash wishlist. And we are looking forward to seeing the wish list from you folks. So, hey, you could share some of your wish list items mm-hmm. over on any of our social media. If you're already a member of the Academy, you know you can head to the community area and post in your progress log what your wish list could look like. You can get to the Facebook page and make a post there. You know, we have an active community who are are folks who are sharing ideas back and forth. So you can say, like, guys, I just listened to episode where you talked about the magic wish list. Hey, these are the things I was thinking. What are your thoughts on that? 
I love it. I love it. We would love to see it. And John, that's something that I'm always loving is when we see people reflecting on something we've discussed on the podcast or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in any of our webinars and they share it on social media or they share it in a rating or review on their favorite podcast platform or on YouTube for those who are watching and following along with us in this document. Definitely get that out there. It fills our heart. And also, if you are in a school or district leader role where this is intriguing you, you're looking at it going like, holy smokes, what is my math vision for my district? Uh, Or maybe you do have a math vision, but you're like, I'm not sure if it's clear to everyone, to all stakeholders in my district. And you'd like some support with that, some mentorship. If you want that other knowledgeable other coming to the table to have these discussions, to maybe push your thinking a little bit, to even just review what's happening, our district mentorship program is exactly what you are in search of. So head over to makemathmoments.com forward slash district. You'll notice there we have some information about that program, but you'll see a call button. Book a call to hop on with one of our team members and we'll chat with you. We'll talk a little bit about where you're at and maybe have some insight for you as to where you go next. Who knows? Maybe you're the next district that we're going to be working with. Note that we only take on a certain number of districts because as you know, mentorship does take time. It does take effort. It also takes a clear mind on our team's part. So maybe you'll be one of those few districts that we work with this year. Again, that's at makemathmoments.com forward slash district. And uh, we can't wait to hop on a call with you sometime soon. In order to ensure you don't miss out on our new episodes as they come out each Monday morning, like this one did, uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a review so that other teachers can find the podcast and it goes into the algorithm and it spits it out to people and recommends it. So the more teachers and more students can make math moments in their classrooms. Well, my friends, until next time when, uh, hey, guess what? It's going to be episode 200 next time time. because this time it's episode 199. And remember, those show notes are over on makemathmoments.com forward slash episode 199. Next time, we're going to be in episode 200. So we're super excited for that. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training 
uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook. After completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.